following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Let's get back to Luke. Um, Luke chapter 8, verses 40 uh, through 56. Um, so it seems to me that uh, the Lord has been driving home a message over the last few weeks. Uh, I don't know if if you're hearing it. Um, I don't even know if it's for you or if this is just for me. Um, it's a it's the lesson of the gifts that the disciples were given on during the storm on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus calmed the storm. He was they were given the gift of a reminder of their powerlessness and of Christ's almightiness. Um, and <laughs> even, even that quote, God won't give you more than you can handle. There's no reminder of our powerlessness in there. There's a sense of our powerfulness, right? There's no sense of Jesus' almightiness in there. It's all depending on our own strength. Um, when the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee and they're tossed around by the waves and the water starts filling the boat, and they thought they were going to die, um, and that there was nothing they could do about it. This is when they went to Jesus. This is a great gift. And in Jesus' almightiness, he calmed the storm, and he calmed their hearts. I think this is a great reminder that, that in our pride, we think we're in control. And... and and, and as, even as often as I say control is an illusion, I still don't live that way. It's just a pithy saying, right? Too often um, we think we're in control, and as soon as a storm whips up, that's when the reality, um, reality is revealed, that we are indeed powerless. Um, but the eventual stopping, stopping of every storm is a reminder of Jesus' almightiness whether it's immediate or over the course of time. And our text for this morning is another reminder of the frailty and weakness of mankind and the great power of our Savior Jesus. It's the overlapping account of the raising of Jairus' daughter and the healing of the woman with the issuance of blood. Last week we looked at the, the woman who was healed by touching the hem of Jesus' garment. And today we're going to look at um, Jairus' little daughter. So, chapter 8, verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. 
And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him, except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, Taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that she should be given, uh, that should be given her something to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them not to, charged them to tell no one what had happened. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word, we're grateful for the truth, we're grateful for Jesus. We ask now, Lord, that your spirit would speak. Open our eyes to your truth. Open our eyes to our sin. And open our eyes to our Savior. Who died in our place that we might be forgiven and reunited with you. God, we love you, and we look forward to hearing from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that... Sorry. I know that some of you have been in Jairus' shoes... I know we have. One of the tricks of having brain damage is you don't have a great memory, and I forgot about this. Thanks. Thanks for your patience, everybody. I hate this story. Caroline and I have been in Jairus' shoes. We had to watch a helicopter fly away with our baby boy. Blue and barely able to breathe. And in that hour, we were desperate for help. We were desperate to hear if Sammy was going to live. But there he is. Praise God. (sighs) Sorry. It's been a long week. (laughs) I can clearly resonate with the feeling of desperation 
that Jairus was feeling, not knowing whether or not my child would live. But I can only imagine what this desperate father would have felt if help was finally on the way, but then got interrupted by somebody else's problem. And then while delayed, the word came that it was too late. This was for me, for our family, for Jairus, powerlessness on display. I couldn't help Sam. Jairus couldn't help his little girl. Now Sam got the help that he needed in time. He made it to the hospital and received the care that he uh, needed to get better. For Jairus' daughter, the, the assumption was that it was too late. The assumption was that nobody has power over death. It's one of life's two great constants, right? Death and taxes. Well, I'd offer a third great constant, the almightiness of Jesus Christ. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Only believe, and she will be well. The word that Jesus used is pistuo, pistuo. None of you speak Greek, so it doesn't matter. Say it with confidence. It means to believe, to have faith, to trust, to have confidence. This reminds me of another time that Jesus raised somebody from the dead. A friend named Lazarus from John 11. Jesus was speaking to Lazarus' sister just before raising him from the dead. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And though this is this was a very real situation with very real people, Jesus shows that he is, in fact, the resurrection and the life in the life of Lazarus and in the life of this little girl and in the life of everyone who believes in him. When he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child, and all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. Now, was the girl really sleeping? No, she was dead. Why did Jesus say he was sleeping? Is it because he's a, he's a strong Advent Christian and believes in the sleep of the dead? 
No. <laughs> no. Jesus said the girl was only sleeping because her death was only temporary. I shared at Anita's service last weekend that we often think that this is the land of the living, and when we die, we go to the land of the dead. But the opposite is true. We live in the land of the dying, and when we die, we are transferred to the land of the living, either to a place of eternal joy or to a place of eternal destruction. There are only two possible destinations. Warren Wiersbe wrote, Sleep is a normal experience that we do not fear, and we should not fear death. At the resurrection, the body will be awakened and glorified, and God's people will share the image of Christ. I think that this is this picture... Um, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I've tried, I try to picture this and I try to understand what's going on, but it's hard. When Jesus says that the little girl was only sleeping, all those who had gathered to mourn and weep and wail and, and play their funerary instruments and all that sort of stuff laughed. They laughed at him. Now, if you just read Luke's account, if you look at that closely, the only ones in the house were the father, the mother, Peter, James, and John. And when Jesus says she's only sleeping, it appears that they laughed at him. Well, that's why we have more than just one gospel account, thankfully. Um, Jesus was addressing the entire crowd of professional mourners who are outside. I can't imagine Jairus and his wife laughing at the words of Jesus that this girl wasn't dead, but just sleeping. Um, but professional mourners? Yeah, okay, I can get that. They're not really attached. They're, they're just on a gig, right? Jesus puts everybody out of the room except for the little girl's parents and Peter, John, and James. Now, these three disciples were chosen to witness Jesus' power over death here in this room, a special honor. They're also chosen at the Mount of Transfiguration, where they would witness, witness how Jesus would be glorified even in his own death. And they were also chosen in the Garden of Gethsemane. They would witness his willingness to submit to death. Verse 54 says, but taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. The um, Matthew uh, and Mark both, I believe it's both of them, record uh, the words in Aramaic that Jesus used, which is interesting, Talitha Kumi. Um, it's little lamb. Little lamb, arise. It's such a sweet picture. But in both cases, uh, both with this little girl 
and with the woman with the bleeding issue, human resources were at an end. Like there was nothing anybody could do. They are utterly powerless to fix their problems. Right? The lady spent all she had on doctors to fix her problem and it only got worse. Right? There was nothing they could do to save this little girl. Everybody involved was suffering. But as Ray Stedman said, he is able to meet the suffering of the heart, whatever its cause, when the world's resources are brought to an end. That's why suffering is a gift. That's why difficulty is a gift. Because it shows us who really is in charge, who's really in control. And guess what? It ain't you. This man, Jairus, and his family were powerless to fix his little girl. He couldn't bring her back to life. His resources were at an end. There was nothing more than he could do. But this is exactly the meaning of Romans 8.28. I'm sure you've heard this before, especially if you've ever been having a hard time with anything. In all things, God works together for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. You ever been told that before? You ever been told that when your life is going sideways? And you just say, oh, amen. Thank you. (laughs) You're, You're better than me if you did. Why did this woman bleed for 12 years? Why does she spend all her money on doctors and reach out desperately for the hem of Jesus' garment? Why did this little girl get sick and die only to be raised by Jesus? For you. It was for you. For you and for everybody else that needs to be reminded of our powerlessness and need to be reminded of Jesus' almightiness. Not just powerless in the face of difficulties of this life, but powerless in the face of sin and its consequences. We can't forget that the physical reality of the death and resurrection of this little girl is a picture of the spiritual reality of our own being dead because of sin. Death exists because of sin. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, just like the little girl. You were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated with seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages 
he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Lord Jesus says to Jairus, this desperate father, do not fear. Only believe, and she will be well. Do not fear. Only believe, and she will be well. This is a, this is a picture of the total natural response. Right? When things go wrong... We face it with fear. What's going to happen next? What am I going to do? How did this happen to me? Why, God, why did you allow this to happen? That's fear. It's fear. And Jesus says, only believe and she'll be well. I'd love to tell you that there is a super secret Greek word that the meaning's a little bit different than that and there's a, there's a, ooh, a real nice nugget hiding in there for us. There isn't. Don't be afraid. Trust Jesus. Even the word faith, I think, gets watered down in our understanding. But the word is so rich. Have confidence in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Believe what Jesus said. He says, she will be well. Have confidence in that. And he was right. And she was well. And the same is true for us. The same is true for you. Do not fear. Only believe. Be confident. Have faith. Trust Jesus. And you will be well. Now, don't hear me saying, trust Jesus, and you'll be okay. It's going to be fine. You'll be fine. One of the things that we were trained as ski patrollers to not say is they're going to be fine. Are they going to be okay? Are they going to be okay? I can't tell you how many times I've been asked that this winter. My response has to be, they're good right now. Everything's under control right now. (laughs) What a lie. I'm not saying everything's going to be okay. And any preacher that stands up in front of you and says, trust in Jesus, it's all going to be okay, is lying to you. Because our definition of okay is wrong. Our definition of fine is wrong. What we want is for our problems to stop and everything to be easy. We, we want God to not give us more than we can handle. <laughs> you can't even handle putting on your socks. I know the noises you make. <laughs> Our definition of okay and fine is wrong. Jesus is always right. 
She will be well. Yeah. She will. You will be well. You will. Even if your problem causes your death. Even if your difficulty costs you your family. Even if everything good about your life that you think is good is gone. It will be well. Because this life is the temporary one. This is the land of the dying. And just feathering our nests here in this life, what good is that? It's like the rich man who insisted on being buried with all his gold. And when he comes to judgment, the Lord says, why did you bring all this pavement? It's worthless. Your sickness may not be cured. Your earthly problems may not go away. But by trusting Jesus, our real problem, our sin, and its eternal consequences are dealt with. They're dealt with forever on the cross. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen? That's the solution to our problems. Amen. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for this reminder of our powerlessness and your almightiness. We're so thankful, so grateful that you are trustworthy and true. That you really are the solution to our problem. Whether or not our bills get paid, whether or not things smooth out for us and get easy again. We're thankful that we serve a God who is stronger, who is higher, whose name is greater than all our fear, whose grace is greater than all our sin. We love you that you are the kind of God that stepped in to be the solution to our problem and gave your life that our sins would be forgiven and we would be set free. We're so thankful. Help us, Lord, to look to you when life gets hard, when things go sideways. Help us to be confident in you, to trust in you, to have faith in you, to believe in you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.